0: Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. This program is not appropriate for children under age 13.
1: Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. In the last two programs, I highlighted The Sexual State, a brilliant book by Jennifer Roback Morse. I also discussed how much of what was described in this text was predicted by St. Pope Paul VI, who made four prophecies in his controversial encyclical, Humanae Vitae, in 1968. Today, I will further describe the fruit of the Holy Spirit which grew from Humanae Vitae, namely, modern natural family planning and its medical applications, as well as the spiritual ramifications of St. John Paul II's great work. That work was entitled Theology of the Body. I will end this particular program with part one of my interview with Kathy Rivett, who is one of the most knowledgeable educators of modern natural family planning in the world today. Let us first begin as always with prayer. For as stated by the US Catholic bishops, only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced by a culture of life. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Almighty and ever living God, we pray that we never see new life as a burden to be disposed of or grudgingly accepted. Rather, help us to see children as a blessing, as arrows to defeat the enemies of selfishness and loneliness. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As I previously mentioned, in order to understand how we have slid so far as a culture, Dr. Roback Morse gives three explanations. Number one, the separation of sex from childbearing, that is contraceptive ideology. Number two, the separation of both sex and childbearing from marriage. That is, the divorce ideology. Number three, the elimination of all distinctions between men and women, except those that individuals explicitly embrace. That is, the gender ideology. I believe that one logically flows into the next. Increasingly available contraception made sex outside of marriage more likely, and the resulting infidelity led to a dramatic decrease in intimacy and rise in divorce. Contraception also led to abortion as a backup for failed contraception. Sterility of sex reinforced the delusion of sameness between men and women. This coincided with a warped sense of feminism which sought equity rather than equality Sameness rather than complementarity. This is the gender ideology, gender confusion, which exists today. These events would not have surprised Pope Paul VI. He prophesied them in *Humane Vitae. He was a sign of contradiction. As I mentioned before, Pope Paul VI made four prophecies in *Humane Vitae. The first prophecy was that if the church's teaching on contraception were ignored, there would be an increase in marital infidelity and a general moral decline. Pope Paul VI's second prophecy was the loss of respect for women. It is truly ironic that so-called reproductive rights have been hailed as a boon for women when the reality is a rise in exploitation, abandonment, and impoverishment of women. As stated in Humanae Vitae, it is to be feared that husbands who become accustomed to contraceptive practices will lose respect for their wives. They may come to disregard their wives' psychological and physical equilibrium and use their wives as instruments for serving their own desires. It is noteworthy that Pope Paul VI talked about contraception leading husbands to disrespect their wives. The disrespect goes even further, such that contraception weakens commitment so much that a huge percentage of men and women do not even become husbands and wives. Instead, they cohabitate, each of them with an eye on the exit, in case the test drive doesn't go well. So-called reproductive rights for women are actually exploitation rights for men. Women today in the hookup culture are expected to contracept and to abort when contraception fails. Abuse of power by government was the third prophecy by St. Pope Paul VI. He stated in *Humani Vitae, who will prevent public authorities from favoring what they believe to be the most effective contraceptive methods? and from mandating that everyone must use them whenever government considers it necessary. Last time I gave you many current examples of this, from contraceptive mandates in this country to forced abortion in communist China. Pope Paul VI warned that contraception would lead not only to governmental abuse of power, but to personal Abuse of power. This was his fourth prophecy. He wrote, If we do not want the mission of procreating human life to be conceded to the arbitrary decisions of men, we need to recognize that there are some limits to the power of man over his own body and over the natural operations of the body which ought not be transgressed. Sex without babies has led to the babies without sex industry of in vitro fertilization, where babies are treated as products rather than life flowing from love. The sterile sex of contraception has led to the attempt to normalize another form of sterile sex, homosexuality. Sanctioning so-called same-sex marriages is justified by many as a civil right when in fact it is nonsensical. Marriage is about bonding and babies. Only the bodies of male and female are built for bonding. The natural result is another human being who has the right to be nurtured by the father and mother who co-created her. This is not to denigrate those with same-sex attraction who deserve our love and respect like everyone else. But we must not distort the meaning of marriage, which is the basic unit of society. And brings forth human life from the marital embrace of husband and wife. As I mentioned last time, the natural law violation of contraception was perceived not only by the leader of the Catholic Church, Pope Paul VI, but also by the Hindu, Mahatma Gandhi, and the atheist. Sigmund Freud, who both strongly condemned contraception. In Humanae Vitae, Pope Paul VI made an appeal to men of science to clarify the conditions which favor a moral ordering of human procreation and to establish a satisfactorily clear basis for the moral regulation of offspring. Pope Paul VI further challenged men of science to show that no true contradiction exists between the divine laws for transmitting life and those for fostering true conjugal love. Many have accepted the challenge from Pope Paul VI, as I discussed in my previous show, Doctors John and Evelyn Billings of Melbourne, Australia developed the ovulation method of natural family planning, also known as the Billings method, which is taught throughout the world. Another physician scientist, Dr. Thomas Hilders, also responded to Pope Paul VI's appeal and developed a modification of the Billings method called the Creighton model of natural family planning. This not only is an extremely effective method of family planning, there are also a great many medical applications of the Creighton model which were pioneered by the research of Dr. Thomas Hilgers. I was one of many uh, physicians across the globe who benefited from his research. As I mentioned, we are now able to offer women more natural ways to intervene in gynecological problems. Conditions such as abnormal bleeding, irregular menstrual cycles, premenstrual syndrome, polycystic ovarian disease, recurrent miscarriage, endometriosis, ovarian cysts, and infertility can now be managed without resorting to artificial and contraceptive methodologies. Rather than offering the destructive technologies of IVF, we can now practice restorative reproductive medicine. Again, not artificial. Not something that's a band aid, not something that bypasses the usual reproductive systems, but restorative reproductive medicine, restoring natural function. This helps infertile couples conceive naturally after identifying and treating the underlying medical problems which led to the infertility. You see, infertility is not a disease. Infertility is a symptom of an underlying disease. So restorative reproductive medicine is just as effective as IVF if not more so, and has the added benefit of being both ethical and affordable. IVF is primarily an intervention for the rich, and it benefits less than 1% of all infertile couples. The totally ethical approach of restorative reproductive medicine can be employed inexpensively and effectively by one's own physician if that physician has received the additional training called NAPROTECHNOLOGY, which stands for Natural Procreative Technology. This is taught at the St. Paul VI Institute for the Study of Human Reproduction in Omaha, Nebraska, in conjunction with Creighton University School of Medicine. I was blessed to receive this training in the 1990s and through the grace of God have been able to help many women with the aforementioned gynecological problems using methods that totally conform to the teaching of the Catholic Church. Now, before spending more time discussing modern natural family planning, including its med- medical applications, I would like to further develop the theology behind Humanae Vitae. Specifically, I want to briefly discuss the theology of the body developed by St. John Paul II. He was a member of Pope Paul VI advisory commission regarding birth regulation. His beautiful work, Theology of the Body, fleshed out the concepts contained in Humanae Vitae. That encyclical spelled out church doctrine, but Theology of the Body further portrayed the beauty of the doctrine. Here are the basic concepts of Theology of the Body. God is love, St. John tells us. More specifically, God is a communion of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Marriage, likewise, is a communion of love, man, woman, and child. It is no accident that Jesus' public ministry began at a wedding, the wedding feast of Cana. Just as Jesus changed water into wine, he transformed marriage to the level of a sacrament. And just as God's love is total gift, married love should be total gift of husband and wife to each other without reservations and without barriers. Christian marriage is not a 50-50 proposition. It is 100-100. Sex using contraception can never be total gift because it withholds fertility. Contraception separates the unitive and procreative meaning of sexual intercourse in a way that natural family planning never does, even when the couple is using the method to avoid pregnancy. The perfect one flesh union of their bodies is an icon to the openness to life. Adam and Eve experienced a communion of persons when they were naked without shame. They loved rightly as God loves. They covered themselves after the fall because they had become afraid and ashamed They had become users of the others, no longer pure lovers. Genesis chapter 3 relates that when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Natural family planning allows a couple to read and learn the bodily messages of fertility and enables a profound respect for their fertility. Naprotechnology preserves the unitive and procreative meaning of our bodies. There are no barriers. There is no destruction. The holiness of the sexual union is respected. To discuss NFP and Naprotechnology in more detail, I have invited Kathy Rivett, who I briefly introduced. Earlier in the show. And I will now play part one of that interview. So I'd like to welcome um, Kathy Rivett, who I've known for a long time, and she is uh, the most knowledgeable person I know regarding um, the teaching of natural family planning. And she's taught uh, many methods, um, but most particularly the Creighton model, which I've talked about before, and we'll t- talk more about it um today i asked kathy to give me a bio and i i liked the way she started it she started by saying she's the wife of joe the mother of four grandmother of 12 and great grandmother to ben did i get that right
0: (laughs) yes that's right
1: how old is ben now
0: ben is eight months old
1: oh really wow that's fantastic well I
0: think grandchildren are the best. But I realized it was so great, I think I would have had them first. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
1: yeah, you can you can enjoy them and then send them home.
0: <laughs> yes, right, right.
1: So uh to continue, um Kathy was married in on June twenty ninth, nineteen sixty eight, just about four weeks before the release of Humani which was released in um on July 25th 1968 and I've spoken about um, Humanae Vitae uh, previously and I can't wait to hear what Kathy has to say about some honeymoon conversations she might have had about um, <laughs> Humanae Vitae. Um, uh-huh. she, uh, well, but we'll get into that. Uh, she, uh, Kathy has taught several methods of NFP um, particularly from 1974 to 1978 and she was among the first in nineteen seventy eight to attend the creighton model um method of uh uh natural family planning that was that out in Omaha, kathy
0: Yes, it was it was, and went all the way to Omaha, Nebraska
1: yeah, a long way, especially <laughs> especially back then so right. in um uh, in then in nineteen eighty, she attended the first educator class for fertility care. Uh, uh, for fertility uh, care um, educator program, she uh, so she became a teacher of teachers, and in right. 1981 she joined the faculty of the Saint Paul the Sixth Institute for the Study of Human Reproduction, which I've uh, discussed previously. So I wonder if you could uh, take it from there, Kathy, and talk about your early uh, experiences after the release of *Humani Vitae*.
0: Sure. Maybe I can begin with a little historical perspective. Sure. You know, as, um, as you mentioned, Joe and I got married June 29th, 1968, mm-hmm. and when we went through our marriage preparation program, which was a lot different than it is today, much more simplistic, but the priest at the time told us that the Rome was about to come out with uh, a statement on birth control Mm -hmm. and that it was thought that Rome was going to approve things like the birth control pill Mm -hmm. and and whatever. So he said, we're not even going to talk about birth control because that's all going to change very shortly. And then I remember going home and telling my parents, you know, what father had said, And I remember my dad kind of waving his finger and saying, until the changes, it's still the same. (laughs) The teaching was still the same. And then, fast forward, only like a short month later, I think I remember where we were. Joe and I were in the car, and the radio was on, and the news came on with this big announcement. That Pope Paul VI was banning the birth control pill, mm. and of course, at the time, we thought we didn't realize it was a, certainly a lot more right. to his teaching right. than just banning the birth control yeah. pill.
1: Yeah, it figures that the mainstream media would would put it in a negative light, you know, banning the birth control pill.
0: Well, it wasn't just the mainstream media. I think there was so little information and education.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there was no internet. You couldn't put your hands on the document. You yeah, didn't know right. what it actually said. Right. Not just lay people, but clergy and yeah. others. You know, they they couldn't put their hand on it. So the um, that Sunday at mass, I remember the priest getting up at the pulpit and saying. I know you've all heard what the news coming out of the Vatican, but don't get too worked up about it. Uh, right now, we think that's only for people in Europe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much so for a Catholic was, being universal, right? <laughs>
0: right. So there was all this confusion. It was ill-taught and uh, not really understood.
1: Now, this concludes part one of my interview with Kathy Rivet. Next time, I will play more of this interview as you hear the incredible developments of the Creighton Model Fertility Care System and all of the extraordinary medical applications that followed. Until then, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect and, at the very least, We should first do no harm. First Do No Harm with Dr. Mark Rollo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. We
0: are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rolo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo 978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next week, remember, first do no harm.